This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Today we are spreading the WUSA on Food First Michigan. That's right, the WUSA. WUSA is a word that when you say it out loud, it brings a sense of inner peace, calmness, and stillness. Take a deep breath in and exhale. That's WUSA. I think we could all use a bit of WUSA in these stressful days of COVID-19 pandemic. Our guest on the show today is WUSA's founder, Erica Lang. Erica is a marvel in America and specifically in Michigan, a success story who is now a renowned artist. Erica is an inspiration, but also together with her fiance, Kelly McPhee, are small business owners based in Grand Rapids who have endured the COVID-19 shutdown with a grace and class not often highlighted. Erica and Kelly have learned to live and lead during the pandemic, although they have a longing for it to be over so their businesses can reopen, but also so they can get married. Life, business, and love all on hold with Erica and Kelly, and they join Jerry Brisson and me in just a moment to discuss how they've handled the stress of life inside the pandemic. You come back and be with us in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Jerry Brisson, it is nice to see you, although it's on Zoom. I don't think I've seen you in nine weeks. <laughs> Can you believe it? I mean, it might even be closing in on 10. Um, so I do miss you, Doctor, uh, and I miss your lovely wife as well, one of the nicest people I've ever known in my life. Uh, but I know that at the end of this, uh, there will be time to celebrate our survival and, uh, and hopefully get back to the studio. I, I'm looking forward. We miss Mark Blackwell as well, our producer. But today we have uh, two great guests who are personal friends and uh, just have an amazing story. So Erica Lang and Kelly McPhee, welcome to Food First Michigan. Jerry and I welcome you both. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, guys. So um, Erica, let's start with you um, and let's talk about your business and uh, how that has uh, uh, grown into a second business. And so tell us who you are, tell us about WUSA and help us spread the WUSA today. All right, then let's start with a deep inhale and then we will all <laughs> exhale. <laughs> I like it. You guys did it. Um, so WUSA, the word itself is a meditative word that helps you relax. Um, when I was in college, I started making art to relax, so I naturally just started signing my art WUSA. Um, nature's my inspiration, so we're a very outdoor-driven brand. After graduating, I uh, took the leap, opened my first retail store downtown Grand Rapids on Division. Um, we were there for about two and a half years before it felt like we were outgrowing the space, wanted a bit of a bigger space, and wanted um, the room to expand a bit. So we moved our store from Division to Wealthy Street, which is where we're currently at, um, in East Town, Uptown Grand Rapids. And that's when we decided to expand on the business and add a coffee shop. 
to our business model. So we have a retail store, which is connected to our outdoor coffee shop, which is called Outside Coffee Co. And at that time, my fiance, Kelly, uh, joined me in that endeavor. We started Outside Coffee together. So we've been here about almost three years. We cannot believe it. Yeah, that's what, so you've been in this space for about three years. Yeah. What year did you start WUSA? So I started WUSA in college, 2011. It's, right. it's hard for me to track the exact date back because it was, you know, after school, it was my hobby. It's what I would do when I went home. And then when I graduated in 2014, I decided I'm not going to get a job. I'm going to give this all I have and see if I can make it work. So that was 2014. And then I opened my store in 2015. So, Jerry, an entrepreneur by definition is someone who stops working 40 hours a week for someone else so they can work 80 hours a week for themselves. For half Absolutely. the money, usually. <laughs> Normally for half the money. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I went on their website to see, you know, what kind of things were on there that, that you know, could absolutely blow me away. And there's no doubt about it, there's a lot on there. I mean, so it's uh, it highlights you're doing the wood carvings and then the the ink on them and then the the uh, I don't know what you call the finished product, the poster, I guess you would call it. That's kind of the finished product that comes off of it. And I just love seeing work in progress like that. Yeah. And to some degree, I mean, without making too big a stretch here, I think a lot of our experience in how we've responded to this pandemic is just exactly like that. You start with a blank sheet that you've never dealt with before. You have twists and turns and little things that come along. And as it unfolds, you get a better idea what it's going to be. And all of a sudden, you're able to crank out a whole new piece of work that you've never done before. So without stretching it too far, I did love watching you work on the website, and, and it really was impressive. And we're, we're eager to hear some more of your story and, uh, you know, how, how it's been for you to be an entrepreneur, especially during times when a lot of places are closing down and people are really struggling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to jump off your, your metaphor there. I always say printmaking is a lot like, well, I always compare it to baking, but there's so much process that goes into it. You start with a block, uh, you carve your image out of the block, you have to be fully present with it because if you slip up, you can't go back. And then when you're printing, if the pressure's slightly off, there's a lot of variables and things that can go wrong. And in that moment, you have to solve for each variable before you can move forward. And I feel like this whole pandemic, that's kind of where we're all at, especially with small businesses. We're faced with a new challenge every day, and you have to deal with that one before you can move forward to the next. Yeah, and I think that one thing that we've been consistently saying through this is the businesses who are still able to survive right now are the ones who have been really creative, the ones who have been kind of coming up with a new business model on the spot and trying to figure out how to engage their community. Right. We have a friend who owns a plant shop and she's doing better in sales now than she did before because she's offering wow. delivery. Mm -hmm. So there are ways oh, to definitely, right. yeah, uh, shift your business and, and do well. So let me see if I got this from the three of you. So um, there's a process that has to be outlined and followed. And when you're doing that process, you have to be fully present. Uh, there's a lot of variables you have to solve before you can move forward. 
and you have to develop a creative solutions to find how you can serve the people um, or attract more clients. Wow, that sounds a lot like food banking in COVID-19 to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's exactly what these guys do. The seven Feeding America food banks here in Michigan, that's really what they do. Just that exact, they're fully present. They've got variables every day that they've not encountered before. Um, and they have to find creative solutions in order to get food to people who need it. Yeah. 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 And I bet this pandemic overnight for you guys was just like, wow, we have a lot uh, more people to serve and problems to solve. And I can only imagine how much work and uh, sweat you guys put into this. I think one of the solutions for many of the people that that need our help is, um, you know, is turning their life into something um, more than what it has been. And sometimes that's employment opportunities. Sometimes it's training. Sometimes it's just seeing things differently and seeing how they can manage day in, day out a little bit differently than they've done it before. And with that in mind, I know you started this pretty young, but what do you think gave you the courage to, to say, okay, I can do this? Um, well, first of all, I think growing up, I, was, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Like I would mow the neighbor's lawns and trim their trees, anything I could do to make a, a quick buck, you know, and, and see where that could take me. So I think that's just in me. Um, but then also it's my passion, you know, when you find something that just lights you up, you lose track of time when you do it. It's the only thing that you want to do. So naturally you're going to continue to do that. You're going to get better at it and it's going to grow. So I courage, I, I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of fear involved, but it's learning to like tear, tune that out and then tune into like just the love behind it. I think that's what allows me to keep taking those steps and then learning to open that up and trust other people let them in to help me grow it and having Kelly by my side has been like unreal so yeah I feel very fortunate that's awesome hey guys let's take a quick break it's Erica Lang and Kelly McPhee they're from Woosa and the outside coffee company nailed it yeah Yeah. you said co so I want to make sure I did it right outside coffee co Um, and they're our guest today with Jerry Brisson I'm Dr. Phil Knight and we're back for another segment you come back and be with us too Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight with Jerry Brisson here. Our guest, Erica Lang and Kelly McPhee, the founding driving creative force behind WUSA and the Outside Coffee Company, small businesses both located in Grand Rapids. Erica, what's the website that Jerry has already visited? How do we find you? You can go to WusaOutfitters.com. Or if you just Google Wusa, it will pop up. It's a pretty weird word. Yeah, and it's W-O-O-S-A-H. Yep, nailed it. That's pretty good from a guy from Alabama that can spell that well. (laughs) You guys have been living and leading and now longing all through this COVID-19 experience. So talk to us a little bit about what life has been like from the time that the state was really um, ordered to stay at home to save lives. Um, That's gotta be a painful experience economically and business-wise. Yeah. um, 
financially, so we this year were lucky enough to be able to purchase the building and the property that our businesses are on. Um, so we kind of put, it's also where we live. We live above the business. Um, we put basically all of our money into that at the beginning of the year. Um, and so when the pandemic hit and we had to close the businesses, um, (laughs) we were kind of panicking, um, because we didn't have that cushion, um, that we, had, let's say like a year ago. Um, so like I said, we kind of had to get creative and figure out a way to continue to get money. And at least through WUSA, um, outside coffee, it's pretty much, you know, we just made the decision that we thought it would be better, um, to close rather than, you know, possibly spread the virus. Cause there were some people at that point in the beginning who were not really taking, the pandemic seriously. Some people were still not abiding by the six foot distance. And, um, there was just a lot more up in the air at that point. Um, so we just thought it was, um, ethically better to close, even so though we could have like stayed mid-March. open. March. This would probably yeah. be about mid March. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ethic- yeah. We closed it was an ethical decision. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we could outside coffee, the way that it's set up. I mean, we run out of a a food truck, a coffee truck. So we really don't have direct contact with people. Um, but the space and the amount of people that we were having come into this space was overwhelming. So, yeah. And like I said, we live here. So we would look out our window upstairs and look down and see a line of people waiting for coffee. And we're like, this just doesn't feel right. Like I th- we decided we should close. So we closed for about a month and a half and we finally reopened what, like two weeks ago, May 1st, May 1st. Yeah. And do you have lines painted on the ground so people know how far to stand apart and stuff like that? Yeah, so our truck is parked in a, a garden, so we actually put in circle paver stones that are like six and a half feet apart. And <clears throat> we have signage. We took away all of our seating, um, so everything's to go. Normally we have picnic tables and Adirondack chairs and places to lounge, but with having to worry about cleaning those surfaces, and right now we just took that away, so... Um, can't wait till we can have people gather there again, but we also want to make sure that we're protecting our community and our staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's been our, you know, our story too. When when the pandemic hit, and we did the same thing you did, we saw the people coming to the pantries and the people coming to get food help, and we said, "Gosh, the, we we have to do this differently." Both because we wanted to make sure our staff was safe, but also because we wanted to make sure we didn't make things worse for the community. And so, and of course, all the volunteers and other people involved, right? So we had a, a opportunity to completely change the way we do the process of distributing food, where it's it, it's now all drive-up service. So when people come to get food um, from the food banks, they drive up. They don't have to leave their car. They pop their trunk. The volunteers put the food in the trunk, and then they can drive away. And actually, we've learned a lot of things from having to change that process about, you know, what do people really appreciate about that? And, and certainly people f- felt extremely well cared for. And we heard from a lot of people that they really appreciated that we cared about their safety. And I imagine your customers have to be feeling the same way, you know. And, by the way, as a kind of a coffee snob and uh, can't get by without my cup of coffee in the morning guy... 
I'm really glad you can still provide service to those poor people that need that coffee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, honestly, reopening, it felt like uh, just a, a little bit of normalcy. You know, if you, you can't do, you can't go to work, you can't do the normal things that you're used to doing, but to be able to walk and still grab a cup of coffee, I feel like it is a comfort um, for a lot of people in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's honestly like, it's almost like a big day out for people to go get their dog, get their coffee, and have a walk around the neighborhood. It was like a big deal. So yeah. when you think about um, other small businesses, and you talked about um, one of your friends who has another small business that's found a way to make this situation work. Um, our friends over at the Small Business Association of Michigan are telling us that one in seven small businesses uh, are, will not reopen. Uh, and so it's a time where there's, as Kelly, you talked about a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, uh, I think you used the word panic. Um, you know, when you're food insecure, that's how you live. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're under that toxic stress of what am I going to eat and what am I going to give my children all the time? It doesn't go away because, you know, we, another thing that we say here on the show quite often is that if you're hungry, you only have one problem. Mm -hmm. Your mind's not free to think about, okay, how do we open a, reopen the business? Or how do I get back to work? Or health care? Or how do I get job training? You can't think about that kind of stuff because you're so worried, you're panicked as to what am I going to eat and what am I going to give to my dependents? And so uh, I think we kind of maybe because we're all experiencing this stress, this toxic stress of COVID-19, we kind of all say that and we kind of run past it a little bit. So I want to circle back with you in the next segment here to talk a little bit about what that stress has been like. Uh, there's financial stress, there's emotional stress, there's mental, um, you know, health stress, all of it. So I want us to talk a little bit about that. But then again, knowing that the two of you as well as I do, uh, the positive look that we've paid the price now, we've made the ethical decision and what's on the horizon for Wusa and for the outside coffee company. They're the owners, Erica Lane and Kelly McPhee. That's Jerry Brisson up in the right-hand corner of my Zoom screen. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're all four back with you in just a moment. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're happy you're with us today with the owners of Woosa Outfitters, Woosa Spreading the Woosa, um, Erica Lang, Kelly McPhee, also the Outside Coffee Company. And they're our guests today, Jerry. And uh, we ended that segment talking about really the toxic stress of living inside of COVID-19. It's like toxic stress on steroids for everybody. Not, not just the people that we are serving, but it's really across, it's something that binds us all together. Yeah, one of the things that was really good to reflect on was how you talked about being able to give people their coffee in the morning gave them a sense of normalcy, right? Gave, you know, reinstilled a sense of, 
you know, life as it, as it ought to be, where you can enjoy a cup of coffee out in the nice weather, you know. And I do think that to some degree, um, we're in that business too, you know. We're in the business of helping people re regain some normalcy in their life, usually because they've had some kind of a crisis that's gotten them to a place where they've needed emergency food support. And sometimes that's unemployment, and sometimes it's a health concern, and Sometimes it's it's a, a a surprise with you know maybe a child or a relative that has to move in and and now they're in a situation where they don't have as much as they had before. It's a lot of different situations, and one of the things that we talk about on the show a lot is who's hungry because there's this picture of who's hungry out there that it's the homeless person or the person at the side of the road that says we'll work for food. But really in truth, the majority of people who are homeless are single parent families with children or not homeless, hungry. The, the, you know, the majority of people who are needing help on a regular basis are single parent families with children. More than half of them are employed. And so, um, and so just, you know, talking about what a relief it is to, to them when they get some emergency food because it allows them to think about their life in a different way again, right? Mm -hmm. They can start to imagine, okay, I've got this problem taken care of, so now I can move on to the next thing in my life that I need to manage. And so, um, so again, you know, it, your story is so inspirational in, the, in that you, you, you had the courage to start your business. You started it, then it's successful, and then, bam, the pandemic hits, and so you got to start rethinking, who are we now? What are we going to be now? What does this mean for us now? And, um, and now kind of moving to that next phase, I liked what you talked about in terms of creatively thinking about how to have your business survive. And, I, you know, I'd like to hear more about, you know, what you're imagining as things move forward. <clears throat> yeah, well, just to back up a little to, like, the, the beginning of all of this, I remember feeling very humbled by um just the dramatic turn of events you know we had just bought the building we were feeling on top of the world like that was my wildest dream to be able to own this property and then boom this hit and it was like what are we going to do are we going to make it and there was a lot of fingernail biting a lot of stressing out and then we finally came to this place where it was like you know how lucky are we to have food in our fridge to have a roof over our head to have each other to have a support system and i feel like those those like those are things a lot of us take for granted until you get to a place where um, it really it really humbles you and makes you realize how big of a deal those basic needs are. Um, so I think in the beginning that that helped us refocus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it strikes me that really listening to Jerry, you re kind of recapture that, and Erica, you and Kelly tell your story that. One of the things that COVID-19, we, we talk about on the show, that it, it magnifies things that are not as easily seen on the outside of the pandemic. But inside the pandemic, we're all having a lot of similar experiences. It doesn't really matter where we're at on the social economic scale. We're, it's, it's a fact this, that it has bound us together. We are tethered to one another which is one of the reasons that I have chosen and my family has chosen to wear a mask because mm -hmm. it's not about protecting me. It's about me protecting you. And I think that that is something that um, probably could use a little bit better messaging about um, mm -hmm. across the state that 
uh, in this pandemic, we are one. We are mm-hmm. Michigan. We are Michiganders. Um, and so I think that, that what you just described there is something that we really uh, have the opportunity to embrace. And that mm-hmm. really feeds our work as well, Jerry, because we've said for years on this show that uh, who wins when we win? Who wins when food security is created and hunger is solved? And uh, it's a way that we are tethered together. And mm-hmm. it's a way for people to invest in one another as well as in us. Yeah, I personally, I think uh, it's been a great, Gretchen's been doing a great job in our state and enforcing these rules. And yeah, it's been tough as a small business owner to be told, hey, you can't open your business. You can't, uh, your livelihood is going to be on hold. And of course, that's going to make you feel scared. How the heck am I going to feed my family? How am I going to carry on? But if you back up and look at the bigger picture here, it's for the, it's for the better good of our entire state and our community. If everybody thinks of one another throughout this and and it's really hard to not just look at your own situation, especially when it's that uh, intense where you're worrying about food and shelter and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I I think that's been a challenge, especially for business owners to look at the bigger picture. But in the meantime, you're selling some things online, I imagine. (laughs) Yeah, on a lighter note, it's actually been pretty great for us. Like in the beginning, we were really scared. We did a big online 50% off sale to clear out some of our inventory. We got over 600 orders that came in. Uh, We've never experienced anything like that. We were shipping all day, every day, trying to just keep up. And I was, it was just a very joyful to feel that support in this time. And then since then, it's been very steady. I've been taking on a lot of commercial work. So we've been, we've been staying afloat and doing good. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that we both went into panic mode, but in different ways. Um, Erica is super scrappy. She'll look for whatever work she can um, in order to bring in money. And I think that that is part of her creative mind as well. Um, And then I'm more logistics. I'm like trying to make all of that happen and make sure that we can get it done. Um, So, yeah, I think that's part of what makes us a good team. Yeah, Kelly applied for uh, the PPP loans for both businesses all on her own while I was hustling and doing all these side freelance jobs. So we ended up, we're lucky enough to be two of the businesses that did get funding from the PPP, um, which helped us immensely to reopen and keep things going. So, And just for our listeners, PPP is the payroll protection program that was put in place to help businesses maintain their employees while the pandemic is going on and these businesses can't be open. And so it's part of the COVID relief package that was passed in federal government world. And, uh, and it has helped a lot of small businesses in Michigan. So, so, you know, that's a whole nother interesting dynamic around getting help when you've never needed help before. Figuring out how to get the help that's available is a little more challenging than what it sounds like. And the payroll protection program is no exception. Yeah, there were, um, I mean, there were just so many question marks around the program in general. It changed pretty often. Um, Our accountants and our lender, you know, it was information changing every single day up until the day that we applied. Um, And I think they're even thinking about changing it again. 
Um, so we're just trying to roll with it um, and be thankful that we received the funds. <laughs> And I think a lot of people who have needed various different kinds of help have gone through that same process of wondering what's okay, is this okay, should I be, you know, applying for this, is this something I qualify for, do I feel good about it, is it really going to help me, how do I know when, I, when the program ends, what's going to happen to me then, I mean, there's just a lot of things that go with asking for and getting help, and so, uh, you know, certainly we're glad that you guys were able to get the help you needed so you could continue on. And are you imagining that, you know, as you go forward with the business, that the things you've had to do are going to teach you how to make the business even more successful? Oh, absolutely. We've already with outside coffee, um, we're down in staff because we had um, a couple of team members who were going to GVSU and living in the dorms got kicked out of the dorms. And so they have to live, back with their parents on the east side of the state. So they don't have a place to go um, while they're here working. So we didn't get that staff back. So we had to remove um, some menu items just to increase our efficiency a little bit. And looking at it now, it feels a lot better that way. Um, so just kind of being able to be flexible and go with the flow mm -hmm. has been really helpful. And then with WUSA, it's our online sales. You know, we're really trying to understand. We normally have a huge blowout party every time Erica releases a line, but we can't do that. So how do we be creative and promote that line through online sales? Mm -hmm. So I went through the grocery store the other day, and of course I stopped close to the beer section, and I looked over there and I saw this very unique beer can. And Lake and Trail, uh, baby. I said, I think I know this person. <laughs> so tell, tell everybody about that really quick. Yeah, so last year it was the centennial of Michigan Parks. So um, we teamed up New Holland, Merrill, and Woosa. I did the artwork for the can to brew a special beer to celebrate Michigan Parks. It's called Lake and Trail Copper Lager, and it's um, delicious. It's like a light beer you can drink all day if you want to, or just have one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that was really cool. We threw a huge party last year to celebrate the release of it. We had another one planned for this um, summer, but that's on hold. But yeah, it's pretty pretty unreal to be able to hold my my art in a can that's full of delicious beer. <laughs> that sounds like a life goal for that. It should be a life goal for a lot of people. But I'm yeah. glad you got to. I don't think I'll ever get to do that. But I'm really glad you did. <laughs> uh, hey, she's Erica Lang. That's Kelly McPhee. They're the owners of Woosa and the uh, Outside Coffee Company. You can find them at WoosaOutfitters.com. And uh, guys, thanks for being our guest today, for telling your story, sharing openly about the stress that COVID-19 has brought to your business and to your lives. And uh, thanks for all that you do uh, outside under blue skies. I know you're very socially conscious uh, people that are concerned about your neighbors and even your hungry neighbors. So we say God speak to you both and thank you for being our guest today on the show. Well, thank you so much for having us and truly thank you for the work that you guys do. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Yeah. Jerry and I are back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan.
Gary Persson is back with me, Dr. Phil Knight, and we're wrapping up this show with our guests today, Erica Lane and Kelly McPhee from Woosa and the Outside Coffee Company. Small business owners, Jerry, it looks like everybody's having a very similar experience through COVID-19. Well, certainly some added stress, some need to pivot, some really critical need to rethink what's essential, right? And so uh, so it's nice to see a couple uh, very energetic and resourceful people making the best of this and really making it work in spite of all the challenges. And of course, that's what we hope for everyone that we serve, right? We certainly are out there doing our work because we know when we can take food security off the table for people, it means they have that opportunity to think creatively about their life and to move on to their next success. And so um, so it was great to, to have um, Erica and Kelly on the show and remind us there's still a lot of hope in the world. Yeah. Well, I think that the struggles that um, are common is, is certainly the toxic stress that we talked about during the show and seems to be on steroids for people. We're worried about uh, finances. People are worried about their homes. They're worried about their businesses. They're worried about their jobs. Uh, they're just worried. And that's a horrible place, a terrible way to, to live. And uh, I think sometimes, because we've been at this for nine or ten weeks now, that this becomes normal for us. And that's not right either. That's not best either. Yeah, and I, I think it's going to take us all some time to adjust. You know, as, as the economy starts to reopen and as people start going back to work and as people start thinking about what is that going back to work look like. I mean, there's all kinds of things that have to catch up, right? You, you have childcare is going to be a huge issue for people as, as you know, there's still some uncertainty about schools and camps and other things that would normally be happening both this summer and this fall. And so, you know, thoughtfully thinking about how do we support people so they can go back to work is not only a necessity, but it's also an opportunity. We have said for a long time that, You've got to align relief with work. You've got to have alignment between programs that help people not just get by, but enable them to really stay at work and, and progress in their careers. And, uh, and so, you know, I think one of the opportunities we have as we look at the new normal is to really continue to look at how do the relief programs align with re-energizing the economy. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's well past time that we had some new ideas around that. I agree with you. That's one of the reasons I really enjoyed um, kind of the progression of the shows over the last few weeks, thinking about Jody Schaefer being with us last week and how we talked about the value of work and the pivot that unemployment insurance made to include work share and how we could stretch that across the other work support so that they actually did that. Support work, I mean. And yeah. I think that's... Uh, yeah. That's something that we're learning, and I think that we should position ourselves to help make that policy adjustment. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think all of the creative thinking that's going on right now about how we help our staffs, our staffs, that is, adjust whatever's going on in their life. If they're taking care of an elderly parent or or helping someone who is who is not fully in good health, you know, they're a little bit more nervous than average about going back to work and what's going to happen with COVID and there isn't a vaccine yet. Well, as we think about the things we need to do to care for our staff, 
I mean, those are the kinds of things that are going to help us care for everyone in the community that's going through the same things. Exactly. Well, it's time for a little food for thought. Everyone is or has struggled with the stressors of life inside this pandemic. We said early on that the issues, challenges, inequities, and problems of life under blue skies are all magnified inside this pandemic. Small business owners know what that stress looks like for themselves and intimately for their employees. We've met them and their employees too as they've been on our lines to receive emergency food. They come to us not knowing what to expect because they've never needed food before. They are worried, stressed, and even though they've done everything right about money, health, and food, they find themselves in need. People have been punched by this pandemic, and it took their breath away. It knocked them down, and the emotional, mental stress it takes to get back up isn't easily mustered. But you should see in their faces when food is placed in their vehicles. A moment ago, they were food insecure, worried about life inside this pandemic, and now in just a moment, with a bit of effort, one worry, food insecurity is removed. Hunger is no longer the only thing on their table. It is replaced with hope and resiliency and inspiration. Something we could all use a good helping of even now during these days. That's the power of putting and keeping food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.